to Nerds of the Roundtable, a podcast on a quest for quality pop culture. I'm Jamie. I'm Dwayne. And I'm Sammy. And on this episode, we're going to be reviewing The Bourne Identity, the 2002 classic, directed by Doug Lyman and starring Franca Potenti, Matt Damon, Chris Cooper, Clive Owen, Brian Cox, and a whole lot of other people you've seen and a whole lot of other things. Um, I think the interesting thing there was the... Did you, did you notice the order I read those in? Yes. In 2002, she was the big. She was the bigger star. Yeah, yes. not Matt Damon. I thought that was interesting. I'd yes. forgotten that. Um, but this is one of my favorite movies. Um, I, I haven't done the full list in a while. I haven't. I've got to readjust my rankings. But there was a point in time this was at one of my top ten movies. Um, hmm. I, I, I love to rank things. We've established that. I haven't adjusted the top. You know, the top ten ranking in a while. It may have slipped out of the full top ten. It's at least top twenty. I love. This movie, I adore it, um, and I was horrified to learn that my my two co-hosts here had either not seen it in a long time or had never seen it in total before. Very true. Yes. So, Very true. So, opening thoughts and grades, fellas. What where are we where are we looking at? What what are you thinking? Okay. All right. Um, you know, when I look at this movie and I kind of put it up against other spy movies, you know, one of the things I really liked about this one is. Unlike other movies of the genre, I don't think this one got bogged down with all the espionage aspects that tend to be worked into these. This was an entertaining movie. It was fast-paced. You know, it was very edge of your seat, I really think. Uh, you looked at the cast, and as you said, I mean, Chris Cooper and Brian Cox and Colin Clive, and, you know, I'd never heard of Franco Potenti, but <laughs> I knew Matt Damon. Uh, so, you know, this was a fun movie for me, and I really enjoyed it. And, and it had been a while since I'd seen it. Uh, a number of years, actually. So rewatching it for this was almost like watching a brand new movie. So if mm-hmm. I was going to give it a grade, um, I would give it an A. Right. Okay. And now my situation with this movie was Jamie. Uh, He's got a sly grin over there. It's making me nervous. Had kind of uh, alluded to at the beginning. I had seen the first twenty-ish minutes when he's recovered from the uh, ocean on the boat with his. Uh, with his uh, amnesia learning things and for some reason my attention fled me and I just turned it off and went and started doing something else I don't, I don't oh, know how you can turn I don't it out there recall, I don't recall exactly what it was but it was pretty I, I think it was 2002-2003 range uh, when, I, when I was trying to watch this I don't know what that was uh but I never revisited this movie. And then it became a thing. And then it became all of these sequels, all of this stuff, and I kind of learned about it. So I just like, well, you know, there's a little bit much, you know, there's a little bit more here that I want to dig into. I don't want to dive in this universe and have to learn all of this stuff. You know, and that, <clears throat> this movie really surprised me watching it through. Um, it was a lot better than I expected. Um, it was also not, and I know that it was a problem with it already establishing kind of a genre because, you know, like, um, and, I, and I can't go an episode without talking about Star Wars, but like Star Wars establishes, you know, your space battles and things in 77. You, you had not seen these things before. In this movie in 2002, you had not seen a movie like 
quite like this. I mean, you had spy movies, you had action movies, but not quite like this. This was its own thing. Yeah, you, but you, I, you can see it's back on the Bond franchise. Exactly, and but you know, with all of the other things that just influenced, it kind of made this viewing seem a little dated to me. Hmm. Not to say I didn't enjoy the movie. This movie has many, many things I absolutely love and adore. Uh, you know, Matt Damon aside, Chris Cooper, Clive Owen, Brian Cox, right there is a hit movie to me. Agreed. You know, um, and then you throw in the action, the spy stuff, and all the intrigue. Um, it was a really fun movie. Um, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I had a little bit of problem with the pacing. Um some things I felt were kind of too rushed. Some things I felt kind of dragged. But I think, like I said, it was a problem of me seeing it after seeing everything else that it had influenced. Uh, and it and it kind of being like, oh, I've seen that before. When if I would have seen it, you know, initially at that time, it would have been much more fresh and exciting to me. So, guys, I'm going to make a maybe – I see some faces at me here. I'm, 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 this is a B. This is a this is a B movie for me. Maybe edging to B plus, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with a solid B. Okay. Alrighty. Well, like I said before, this is one of my favorite movies, and so Dwayne hurt me a little just then. <laughs> but uh, but, I, but, I, I, but I can see where you're coming from. Um, you know, I saw this in the theaters. Yeah. I, maybe opening weekend. I mean, it was. I mean, so I, I saw it before it had changed everything that came after it. Yeah, exactly. It was. So it I, was. I can see that perspective. It. it losing some of that it's not it's not a game changer for you it's just another action movie exactly and so i, I can see where you're coming from it still hurts a little but i can see where you're coming from <laughs> but, I, but i think that i mean the acting in this movie is great and it's not just damon i mean mm-hmm. it's just across the board oh yeah i mean stellar performances um i think there's some really interesting storytelling elements in this movie like there's things that are just are interesting decisions from the director um, just from even where they've set certain scenes. I mean, there's just some interesting decisions made in storytelling. I've got very few nitpicks. I mean, I've got a few. Um, and we'll, we'll get to them through our, uh, through our breakdown. Very few nitpicks. Um, but this is one of my favorites. Um, I can watch this movie over and over again. Um, I'm going to give it an A+. I don't like giving out A-pluses, but this is one of those A-plus Ooh, movies A+. for me. I, I can see it being there, especially with all that it established with this genre and, uh, and you know, just like you said, it's a game changer. Yeah. Well, I think after this movie, Pierce Brosnan wasn't Bond anymore, and they and Casino Royale was the next Bond movie. And and they, that's, and it, that's true. And it completely changed the Bond franchise. Well, yeah. you know, I think one of the things that the, the Bourne franchise does for kind of the, the spy, kind of, like I said, espionage type of genre is it makes it more believable. It's not the the gadgets yeah. and things along those. And mm-hmm. I love the Bond movies, but you know there the, there is an element of you know kind of you know unbelievable type yeah. of things. This was a much more down to earth kind of believable world of spies and CIA and things along those yeah. lines. And all the over the top stuff we'd gotten used to in Bond movies. Yeah, definitely. And, and in spy movies that were influenced by Bond are just not here. Exactly. And they disappear after this movie. Correct. Yeah, this really uh, was a game changer. Um, <clears throat> you know, and like I spoke about with all of the sequels happening and, and where you see it takes the, the genre. So let's 
view a trailer here or listen to a trailer just to show what we're gushing about. Now, this was a very beautiful movie as well. the skills you stop right there of a dangerous man i need to know what went wrong i think he snapped but he has no memory if we don't take care of this we will both burn it trained conditioned built to disappear i'll give you ten thousand dollars to drive me to paris i get the money and i don't get hurt that's a deal now the government's top agent. I can't remember anything that happened before two weeks ago. Abiza? Yes. Is about to become their number one target. What's in Paris? It's a name. Jason Bourne. Let's see if the Paris police can find him for us. And the only way he can survive... Talk a lot. ...is to find out who he is. I guess you're not home. Monsieur Bourne! I don't recognize any of this. Before they find out. Get the address. I think I got it. Enhance. Where he is. Get everybody up. I want them all activated. Do it now. What is it? Something wrong? We can't stay here. It's not safe. He's out of control. It's very clear what needs to happen. Based on the international bestseller. I don't want to know who I am from Universal Pictures. You gotta get as far away from me as you can. What are you gonna do? Danger. I have everything to put inside me. Is everything I ever learned. All of it. Born. I'm gonna make it stop. The Born Identity. In a world. <laughs> It is kind of an old school trailer. Where Matt Damon became a movie star without Ben Affleck. <laughs> I'm sorry I had to go there. Oh, but that, that, isn't that the classic movie trailer voice, though? I love, I love that guy. He's oh, totally. no, longer, no longer with us. But yeah, that really sets this in an era. Yeah. You know, you can really tell. This, that really set this in an era. But I don't remember there being a lot of promotion for this movie. Mm-mm. But no, I remember it, it but just kind of come under the radar. Yeah, but I remember really like getting intrigued and I had to see this in the theaters. To the point, I don't know if I should share this or not. Um I I saw this on my honeymoon. I made my wife go with me to the movie theaters <laughs> on our honeymoon to see this movie. So, uh, hey. But uh, I I had to see it. Yeah. And um so now we've uh, we've watched our trailer, a new feature. Good idea from Dwayne there. I'm giving him too many compliments lately. But, um, so Dwayne, do you want to read our first part on our world-famous, never-wrong Wikipedia walkthrough? Yes, so let's take uh, what the, the uh, gospel according to Wikipedia here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Now, in the Mediterranean Sea, Italian fishermen rescue an unconscious American, Matt Damon, floating adrift with two gunshot wounds in his back. They tend to his wounds, and when the man wakes, they find he suffers from disassociative amnesia. He has no memory of his own identity, but he retains his speech and finds himself capable of advanced combat skills and fluency in several languages. The skipper finds a tiny 
laser projector under the man's hip that when activated gives a number of a safe deposit box in Zurich. Upon landing in Imperia, Italy, the American goes to the bank in Switzerland to investigate the deposit box. He finds it contains a large sum of money in various currencies, numerous passports and identity cards with his picture on all of them, and a handgun. The man takes everything but the gun and leaves, opting to use the name on the American passport, Jason Bourne. After Bourne's departure, a bank employee contacts Operation Treadstone, a CIA black ops program. Treadstone's head, Alexander Conklin, Chris Cooper, issues alerts to local police <clears throat> to capture Bourne and activate three agents to kill him. Castell, Nicky Nod, Mannheim, Russell Levy, and the professor, Clive Owen. Meanwhile, CIA Deputy Director Ward Abbott, Brian Cox, contacts Conklin about a failed assassination attempt against exiled African dictator. This is why you want me to read this. <laughs> <laughs> Nikwana Wambosi. And I'm not even going to try to yeah, go no, there. Yeah, Conklin right promises, yeah, I'm going to hurt myself. Conklin <laughs> promises Abbott that he will deal with the Treadstone agent who failed. Are you asking me asking me a direct question? <laughs> Are you asking me a direct question? You said you would never do that. I'm sorry. Yeah, that is great. Um, yeah, so we're, we're set up here. Uh, as the movie opens, you see him floating in the ocean with yeah. the, the beacon. The uh, fishermen pull him out, and you see this body with gunshot wounds. One of the best opening scenes ever. It really was. Yeah. It really was. I think where I lost interest was just him kind of being on the boat and having nothing to do. Hmm. Yeah. That may have been where I lost it, but well, when see, he gets to Zurich. Yeah. Well, see, the thing about this this movie is, is I, I, I was curious about the way you described your opening thoughts about this being a fast-paced movie. Mm -hmm. It is when it is. It's yeah. true. But when it's not, it's really not. Um, it's got two gears. Um, there's some really slow, like moody parts of this movie. And then, but when it's fast paced, it's frenetic, and it's 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 a weirdly paced movie. And I think it's because Doug Liman is an independent director. Yeah. Um, he's used to doing things in a different style. He this, this was his first major studio movie, and so he was filming. He was still making independent movies, and so so that so it's it's a weird movie. I wonder if the editing had something to do with that because I, I noticed even in the trailer, there's a couple scenes that are different. Uh, from what is on screen in the actual movie, because when you see him offering Marie the twenty thousand dollars or the ten thousand thing, it's a different. What's well, a different background? The the car is different. They're oh. positioned different right. than actually what happens in the movie. So I'm wondering if there was a couple editing things here where we lost some of that middle pacing. Because like you said, this movie is either you know grease lightning coming out of a bottle or molasses. Yeah, and the, this was a this was a troubled shoot too. Um, oh really? I wasn't yeah, they actually ran out of money, and they made him stop filming. And was it whatever you've got done is the end of the movie. And so the scene at the farm later on, yeah, that was the end of the movie. Oh wow! And they screened it to audiences. 
with that being the end of the movie. Like when when he sends her away, that's the end. Oh man! And they realized that the director was right. They had to go back and film more. And they filmed. That. I think they filmed like different endings, like multiple you endings. This was this was a troubled that. movie. The fact yeah. that this is a good movie at all is amazing. As much wow. troubles they had. Wow. And he was one of the, he's one of those directors that likes to kind of find the movie on the set. Yeah. He doesn't just film the script. And, and adversity so, fosters creativity. Yeah. Um, and so so this was a, a kind of a trouble. So like, so there, I'm, I'm not shocked there's lots of different you know, takes on scenes and there's different stuff going on because right. there was a lot of stuff going on here, you know, filming-wise. Well, but, you know, I, I find I can be very forgiving of slow parts in, in a movie as long as there's parts that really keep me interested. And I guess that's when I, when I looked at this and thought about it. I mean, I, I do feel, to me, you know, I can overlook the slower parts because the things that are fast-paced definitely kept my attention. Yeah. Well, yeah, like, like really I said, well though, acted. when it gets fast-paced, it's fast-paced, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, yeah. it's in, I mean, even when it's slow, though, I, I think it's still a tense movie. Mm-hmm. And so I think it makes it not feel as slow as it probably could be under a different director. Um, but I really, I mean, I like a slow movie. I like a movie that if it's, if it's moody, if there's still like tension in the characters and the, the conversations that are happening and that there's still like sort of like a real dynamism in the dialogue, I can roll with a slower paced movie. Um, I don't want to be bored though. And I, I never found myself bored. No, you know, I think the pacing had to be like that because from the, from the beginning of the movie, this was a mystery. Who was this person? He did not know. And so we had to have that that kind of exposition and rising action type of, of moments to build toward him, I guess, accepting who he was. And so we needed those moments, I think, to build the character. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like I was saying, this is a very well-acted movie for an action spy movie. Uh, and you were talking about the slow parts. You know, I don't want to see him make a sandwich. <laughs> you know, but if but if he's you know thumbing through the passports, if he's you know getting the information, I don't recognize this apartment. Let me fish around in here while she's brushing her teeth. You know, and things are you know building as we see the agents starting. You know, the agents starting to come in through the window, yeah. uh, getting prepped for that. And he's sensing, he's hearing some things going on. But uh, yeah, it's very well acted. I mean, and, and like I said, you have you know Chris Cooper. Phenomenal actor, Brian Cox, going head to head, you know, chewing each other up, and they're just, to me, those guys really ate the scenery. Uh, Walter Goggins is is one of the agents in the uh, office there. One whole line. Yeah, <laughs> one line of dialogue. <laughs> what a waste. Well, and Julia Stiles isn't here for yeah, like what? Exactly. Maybe ten, fifteen minutes yeah. total. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I think she was kind of, you know, you mentioned that Franka Potente being a more popular actress at this point than Matt Damon. I think that's kind of what Julia Stiles is doing. I think she's kind of here as, as kind of a name and a little bit of eye candy just yeah. to kind of even but, things uh, out, you know. But I mentioned in my opening thoughts there were a few nitpicks. I've got the. My biggest nitpick is in this scene. Okay. This, this opening scene we're talking about here. When they fish him out, and the the ship captain is fishing the stuff out of his body. So he, he gets the bullets out. Um, he finds the thing on his hip. He Number one, why he start cutting on the guy's hip? Just for no reason. It's obviously healed over. Why is he cutting into him at all? And he gets the, the, the little LED light, or whatever it was, mm-hmm. and flashes it on the wall. Why was that in? I know we need it for the story. We have to have some some goal for Born to go after. Why was that in his hit? That doesn't make any sense. If lost, return too. <laughs> but because if, if I mean if he wouldn't put that in his hip, because he wouldn't expect to have amnesia. True. Um, why would Treadstone put that in his hip? Because if he got captured by 
somebody they were chasing, they would be able to track him down and find their stuff. Like, why was yeah. I know and why? What I know why. weird information? Yeah, what weird information? Yeah. Do you have in your own body. I yeah, know we need it for the story. Bourne has to have somewhere. He can't just be a blank slate with just floundering aimlessly. He's got to have a goal to go toward. I get Correct. why it's in there for the story purposes, but it doesn't make any sense. But that's yeah. in his head. There's no reason for that to be there. Yeah, and I was expecting it to have something to do with his mission, something to do with his identity, you know, but to have a direct link back to who this guy is and all of this evidence as to what he is. Well, I think if a foreign service got a hold of that, they just have to go to Zurich, get in that box, they've got all that. Everything they need. All of his. To think indict. Think about what they could do with all those passports. Yeah, everything all of to his indict. Missions that, the past CIA. missions that would have compromised. Yeah. You know, it would probably make more sense if that had been like a tracker that Treadstone had put in in case something were to happen because they viewed him as property anyway. Or maybe just an address to a safe house. Yeah. Something like that. But that, that, that deposit box had so much stuff in it. You know, it's just, I mean, you, but you, I've, there's a rule I've heard. I, I've, I've never read any screenplays, but I've heard that like that there's one of the rules for screenwriters is the audience will give you one coincidence. Mm. They'll give you one big thing. You get one... and the, if you, you get try a to, pass. You get one pass. Yeah. You try two, you'll lose your audience. So this is the <laughs> one we have to give them. That, yeah. the, the, the LED light in his hip, we got to give him that and roll with it. And the fact that the ship captain had medical training and, and all the tools to be able to do these <laughs> things right there on the fishing boat. Yeah. You know. <laughs> but I mean, that and that is a slow scene, like what he was talking about, on the boat. But... But I think that, that Damon does a really good job portraying his confusion there, his yeah. frustration. And even though this guy's helping him so much, he starts going at it, you know, a little bit. With his, in his, so there's still some tension there on the boat. Yeah, one thing I want to speak to for the first part of this movie, this section in particular, when he's speaking to himself in the mirror, who are you? What are, and he's doing it in different languages. I don't Correct. know if you guys picked up on that, but he's going through, he's cycling through different languages. So he's starting to see that. They come in and he wants to deal with the rope. You know, who taught you to do that? I just know how to do it. It's like everything else. Brushing my teeth, talking, walking. You know, I know how to do these things. And you see him get to um, Italy and, and they give him some money, I guess, for working on the, on the boat or maybe just pitched in together to help him out. And he's on the train traveling through and you see him looking his reflection in the window. And he is just looking like he's interrogating himself, like, who are you? What are you? What is the deal? And he's just got this intensity, you know, with these reflections in the first part of the movie. I don't know if you guys picked up on that visually or not, but that was one thing I thought was very interesting. I was going to mention those, too, because yeah. there's actually there's actually a lot of reflections in this movie. And if you notice, every like early in the movie, before he meets Marie, all those reflections are blurry. Mm-hmm. Like on the boat, they're super blurry. blurry. When he's looking in that mirror on the train, it's blurry. super blurry. He can't see himself in the mirror. All the reflections after he meets Marie are clear. Mm-hmm. He starts fig- uh, It's like a, like a visual cue. He's starting to figure. Marie helps him figure out who he really is. Yeah. Even if he doesn't learn his past, he's figuring out who he is because of Marie. So, so after he meets Marie, the, the images are always clear. Well, that's interesting. interesting. Very much that's so. Very interesting. Yeah, I like that. I like this. So, is there anything else we want to discuss in this section, guys? Or? You know, I, one thing I do want to mention is just the way that that Damon acts this part. You know, there is that confusion here in part one at the beginning, but I love that that point where he's been sleeping on the bench. 
and the two police officers come up to him and they're getting ready to hit him with the baton and he just instinctively out of muscle memory stops it and there's just this look on his face like whoa i just did that <laughs> you know it's kind of a i know kung fu move kind yeah. of feeling you know yeah. and, and he sails that uh that just that realization what else can i do yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I, I just love that when, when he did that just that quick little look i mean i just i laughed i was like oh that's great yeah. you know yeah so. yeah that was a that was a great uh, character developing character defining moment there and did you notice another thing early on and it doesn't make any sense but it's it's interesting the sweater he's wearing all throughout these early scenes has two bullet holes, in the, two back. Bullet holes in the yes. back yes he wasn't wearing that when he got shot <laughs> I, I wondered about that too i was i was wondering what the deal was yeah with that. yeah and so but he go but he goes into the swiss bank in zurich wearing you know these clothes he's obviously just borrowed from these fishermen they don't fit him they're everybody's oldest sweater. I mean, they've got bullet holes in them, and they still let him in the bank. They let him in these. Right. Well, security. I mean, they had the spare holes. The guy got shot in the back, apparently. <laughs> That's uh, right. and, and pretty close to the same place as he got shot. Mm-hmm. But the uh, the so so he so he gets in the bank and he gets the d- deposit box out. And this is just a, I just want to brag a little bit. The pride of my DVD collection is my Born Identity box set. Yeah, you told me this. I've got a box set that is the box set is the safety deposit box. Oh, and it nice. flips open the same way. The special features like booklet stuff are in Jason Bourne's passport. And then they just got the normal DVDs underneath it. But like the way it's set up, it just looks so cool on my Now phone. have you found the <laughs> hidden compartment with the gun? Uh, no, there was no gun. Okay. Okay. I'll I'll I'll, I'll double check. <laughs> but, yeah, maybe uh, a false bottom. But so, but that's a cool scene too because they realize right in that, and that's when Treadstone gets alerted. Yeah, you know, you know something's went sideways here because they knew Wombosi lived when he wasn't supposed to, but they thought Bourne had failed. But, but you now know, Bourne's back on the on the radar. And, and it's referred to you know there's a couple weeks you know while he's out at sea with the boat. I think it was three weeks. Yeah, two two to three weeks. Yeah. And um, you know they're kind of casting around looking for some leads. What happened to this guy? This guy's still alive, and you see Wombosi. Um, you know, on a, t- a television interview, you know they 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 tried to kill me to try to kill my babies, and he's you know reacting, and they're like, you know, what is he talking about? And you see these people start sweating. Yeah, and then we and then we meet the people at Tradestone. Yeah, exactly. we see Chris Cooper's character, we see Conklin, and we see um, Brian Cox's character. His name I can't remember. He's just Brian Cox, uh, <laughs> director Abbott. Yep. Um, and so we start seeing behind the scenes. These are the people that you know uh, Damon works for. Um, and it's interesting at this point, because um, I've read the novel to the, that this is based on. Um, it's okay. I, I don't know why it was a bestseller. <laughs> I mean, it's so was okay. it? So was it a book for it first? Yeah, it was. It was a, a big bestseller. The Born really? Identity was. A, yeah, and it's the first book's pretty good. The sequels I didn't like. It's by all. what Robert Ludlum. Yeah, is Robert that correct? Um, and he's actually. I don't think it's his best. I've read quite a few Ludlum books. I don't. I don't think it's his best work. I mean, it's weird that he's famous for this. Well, but um. But uh, so, okay, where are we at? But there's no villains yet. Treadstone looks dirty at first, right? Right. Um, but they're not really villains. I mean, this is people he works for. These are the, I mean, and they they don't know why he didn't accomplish his mission, and they don't know if he just went rogue, if he's went dirty, if he's turned, if he's double. So at this point, like, we don't know who Bord is. Exactly. Are are they the bad guys? Are they even bad guys? Are they just the CIA? Did he did he do something wrong? Because at this point, we don't know if there's a villain in the movie at all. Yeah, so I, I think it's an still, interesting setup. And 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 to not have an identified um, antagonist yeah. at this point, or even 
knowing that Jason Bourne is going to be our protagonist. You know, because this carries on a chunk of the, you know, a, a third of the movie. Because yeah. I mean, he he doesn't know who he is, and we don't know who he was. We're seeing that I maybe mean, there's some signs he's a pretty good dude, but we don't really know what he was. We know he was an assassin. I mean, that's not a great indicator of right. <laughs> character, you know. And so it's just, it's an interesting point to be this far into the movie mm-hmm. and not really know who's who. Yeah. Who 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 stands where? Who's the antagonist? Who's the bad guy? Who's the villain of the piece? We don't. And that was a really bold step, yeah. especially at this time. Yeah, we know it, it places us in the same kind of spot as Bourne. You know, he even though he has this box with these multiple, you know, pieces of identification, they're all different names. They're all different countries. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he chooses the American one and goes with Jason Bourne, but he doesn't really know which one is truly him still at this point. And I think we're the same way. We, as an audience, still don't know a whole lot about what's going on. You know, like you said, who is the protagonist? Who is the antagonist? You know, which where is this movie going anyway? Yeah, yeah, this could potentially have been the Michael Caine identity because I know that was one of his. Yeah, John Michael Caine. Yeah, John yes. Michael Caine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to read part two. Y'all ready? All right, ready? let's go for it. All right. So, uh, Bourne tries to evade the Swiss police by using his U.S. passport to enter the American consulate, but he is caught by guards. He evades capture and escapes the consulate, giving a German woman, Marie Kreutz, uh, played by Franca Potente, twenty thousand dollars to drive him to an address in Paris listed on his French driving license. At the address, an apartment, he hits redial on the phone and reaches a hotel. He inquires about the names on his passports there, learning that a John Michael Kane had been registered but died two weeks ago, uh, two weeks prior in a car crash. Castell ambushes Bourne and Marie in the apartment, but Bourne gets the upper hand. Instead of allowing himself to be interrogated, Castell throws himself out of a window to his death. Marie finds wanted posters of Bourne and herself, and after agonizing, agrees to continue to help Bourne. After a chase in which Bourne evades police in Marie's car, Two fugitives spend the night together in a Paris hotel. Meanwhile, Lombosi continues to obsess over the attempt on his life. Conklin, Conklin, having anticipated this, planted a body in the Paris morgue to appear as the assailant. But Lombosi is not fooled and threatens to report this and other CIA secrets to the media. The professor assassinates Lombosi on Conklin's orders. Bourne, posing as Kane, learns about Lombosi's yacht and that the assailant was shot twice in the back during the escape. He realizes that he was the assailant. He and Marie take refuge at the French countryside home of her friend Eamon and his children. Under pressure from Abbott to tie off the Wombosi matter entirely, Conklin tracks Bourne's location and sends the professor there. But Bourne shoots him twice with Eamon's gun, mortally wounding him. The professor reveals their shared connection to Treadstone before dying. Bourne sends Marie, Eamon, and Eamon's children away for their protection, and then contacts Conklin via the professor's phone. Conklin agrees to meet Bourne, alone in Paris. From a rooftop near the arranged location, Bourne sees Conklin has not come home alone. So he abandons the meeting, but uses... Uh, I think I read that wrong. Please continue. It'll be alright. But uses the opportunity to place a tracking device <laughs> on Conklin's car, leading Bourne to Treadstone's safe house in Paris. I love the slip. Home alone. <laughs> <laughs> he has not come alone. You know, well, have, we, have we picked our Christmas movie for the year? Maybe <laughs> I, think, it was subconscious. I think we just did. <laughs> Yeah, I think we may have just done that, but yeah, this uh, there's a lot in this section. Yeah, and uh, you know, from his meeting of Marie um, at, at the embassy, yeah. where he, which is my second nitpick of the movie. Which why it, is a 
German gypsy hanging out in the American consulate. Well, she's trying to get a visa, and she's trying to figure out different <laughs> ways to get the visa. I love that the guy behind the, the register was like, you know, this is not a shopping service. You can't just pick and choose <laughs> to get this kind of visa or that kind of visa if you listen to yeah. their, their well, argument. I think, I think he was saying forth. she had overextended her visa. Like, why did she have an American visa? I mean, she's clearly not – I mean, anyway, that's another little well, – like, I, mean, I thought she was trying to get a visa to go to America. Uh, which I may have, I may I have very yeah. well misunderstood. Yeah. Um, I watched this movie two and a half, maybe two and three quarter times in the last week, week and a half. So uh, some things are maybe running together a little bit to me where you've watched it. You know, but I, I, but uh, another interesting thing that was happening earlier in the movie that keeps happening all throughout here is he wants no part of guns. And that's yeah. re- I think that's really interesting. Like, yeah. He gets the safety deposit, safety deposit box. He takes all the money, takes Leaves the passports, the takes even takes the garbage bag out of the room, mm-hmm. leaves the gun. That's strange behavior. I mean, when he fights the cops, when they find him on the park bench, he takes the guns he apart, disassembles it, yeah. drops Correct. it, and runs yeah. away. That keeps happening over and over and over, over again. And over. He wants no part of guns. And I think it's a kind of a subtle way. And this is a very subtle movie. It's, it's kind of impressive for, for, you know, for an action movie. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of subtle stuff going on. It's, I think it's trying to show us, like, at his core, despite what he's been for Treadstone, at his core, there's a good person. In he there. and and he's experienced a fundamental change. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that that's one of the biggest changes from the book. In the book, the amnesia was because he was actually shot in the head. Oh. And it, I think I'm not a, any kind of. I mean, you can't mess up Matt Damon's hair. That's right. <laughs> but he got shot in the head. It messed up a part of his brain that erased his all of his previous life's memories. Oh, okay. Um, in the movie, they change it to where it's a post-traumatic stress. Yeah. Uh, amnesia. It's a, it's, it's just the, the trauma of what he had, was about to do to Wombosi. His brain was shutting down. Yeah. Areas, and yeah. so it was an emotion. It was emotional-based amnesia. And so that yeah. was a change. And, and uh, like uh, uh, Sam had said, you know, with his muscle memory coming back and yeah. all of his, his the things he's able to do is really, really cool. Very much so. You know, at, at the embassies, one of the things I always find very interesting, you know, and the, the few times I've, I've, you know, rewatched this since, you know, we've chosen this, was um, the, the little bit of overkill at the embassy. You know, they sent a small army after this one guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, honestly. I mean, there's the scene where they're pulling the rivals off the shelves. Yeah. They're marching up the steps trying to track this one guy down. But I think you it's know. because Treadstone has alerted them. Right. Yeah. And this isn't just a guy. And I don't think Treadstone obviously doesn't tell them, hey, this is one of our assassins. You know? <laughs> but they're also like, hey, this is a dude. Get him. Whatever, you know, highly dangerous individual. But, yeah. I, th- but I think that's another little interesting detail. And most of these action movies – Cops and security guards are like bumbling idiots. Mm-hmm. In this movie, they're all really competent. Like yeah, the cops, the cops in the park are yes. doing their jobs. Um, they just thought they've got a bum asleep on the thing. The the guards and in, in the the security personnel in, in the embassy are on the ball. I mean, they're on yeah, the spot. They're on it. Yeah, and mm-hmm. he's just that good. Mm-hmm. And so it's not he's not succeeding because people are stupid or incompetent. He's succeeding because he's even though they're competent, he's that much better. Right. Yeah, I like Chris Cooper's line. You know. And just shows how important this is to him and who all had been called. He says, wake up, everybody. Yeah. I want everybody on this. Nobody sleeps. Yeah, and, and they in the, in the <clears throat> book, too, like it's made very clear that Bourne's the best they've got. Like, he's head and shoulders above everyone else in the agency. Yeah. And that's, they don't really make it as clear in the movie, and I think it's good that they don't. But it's also like they're alarmed that this guy that they're, is yeah, the they're, one who's the right. broken arrow. Who's Their went top off. dog has yeah. went down, yeah. Hmm. And but, I really, really like the uh, introduction of the other agents 
uh, coming through here. Although, you know, a couple of them are kind of dispatched relatively quickly. But then you have the professor and uh, and Matt Damon, you know, Jason Bourne kind of have a more extended interplay. You know, yeah. Clive, and I thought his interactions with Clive Owen throughout this was was pretty great. I think it's amazing that Clive Owen's in this movie in such a small role. Yeah, right. Because he he was already a thing. Yeah, right? he's yeah he's kind of a star. Yeah, and um, but it's a pretty pivotal role because um, we see how confident he is. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, really good, and he and when he is revealing. Um, you know, after uh, their encounter in the woods, there, when he's revealing the, the uh, involvement of Treadstone, and they're like, "What's Treadstone? What's Treadstone?" He's like, "Do you get the headaches too?" Yeah. You know, and uh, I think he mentions pills at a point, doesn't he? Yeah, I'm not remembering that. Yeah, but I, but I did sure. want to ask a question about that yeah. because I, I, I think it's hilarious that beepers are so important in this movie. Yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's like cell phones today, you know. Yes. Yeah. But but the, so they activate them, right? So they all clearly have regular lives. Mm-hmm. You know, the professor is like teaching like piano. Mm-hmm. Castell is doing fun on a Vespa. I don't. I'm not sure what he was doing for a living. But like they all, and the other guy was some kind of like executive at a company. They all had other lives. Yeah. They get this beeper thing. No real in-depth message. They're immediately activated. Got to go to work. And then later, when Clive Owen is, is is dying in the field, he starts talking about the headaches, mm-hmm. the things they've taken from us, what they've yeah. done to us, the price they've made us pay. So what what do you think Treadstone did to them? Is it some kind of big brainwashing? I, I don't. I mean, I was wondering, like, what is Treadstone? Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Uh, you know, having some having some friends and, and family to have joined, uh, you know, military service and things. You know, they they give you a personality test. When you when you sit down and, and go into it, and, and that determines your job, what you're what you're going to be good at. Um, I had an uncle who uh, who joined up. Uh, my dad and two of his brothers joined at the same time, and when he filled out they they filled out the test, they came and got him out of the room. They come and got my dad's brother out of the room, and they didn't see him again for a few weeks. And he came back home on some leave, and he said, "I'm gonna be gone for a while. I will not be able to contact you. I will not be contactable. Bye." <laughs> and you know, after five, six years, he came back home. Uh, years later, he uh, had developed uh, some some mental illnesses, uh, schizophrenia, paranoia, and I mean, he would not drink treated water from the city he would not turn on the television set now this is in the 80s that they're watching you know he and he had all this stuff on. and that makes me think what did he experience what did he see what did he do and you know uh, meeting some people you know who were you know essentially snipers you know you've got your spotter he's your brother you, know, you go to the bathroom he helps you know what these guys' mental profiles have to appear to be. And then also how normal they can appear and how normal they can be just in a conversation, meeting them on the street or at your workplace or whatever. So, you know, what did these guys, you know, did they realize they had a certain capacity for, you know, shady work and, you know, the, uh, the physical abilities also? You know, what did they do to these guys? Like you said, brainwashing or, yeah. you know... But the, the, the way he was talking about the headaches. Yeah, well, see, that's what I... And and I, I just, it was, yeah, it that's was a curious point. thing. It comes up a couple times yeah. in here. Yeah. 
and, and, and I could have swore Clive Owen said something about pills, so I'm wondering if they were feeding them something to kind of yeah. make them a little bit more subservient, a little bit more docile, uh, you know, to their commands or suggestions or whatnot, you know, and their training and brainwashing, which you know could have involved pain and you know shock treatment, and different stuff. See, my, my had one, of, one of my questions was is like, so they're off living these other lives, and those beepers that go off, I wonder if it like activates something in their brain that they completely were able to shut off. Like, like, Clive, a, like maybe did Clive Owen even know he was an assassin? It's like a hypnotic people. suggestion. Yeah, so I'm just mm. wondering. Like, there's, there's, there's just there's something going on there that I don't right. think in the whole series is completely unpacked. Like, what what was done to these people? And you know, you you've got to think. I mean, if your job is assassin, <laughs> your job is to kill other people, essentially. You know, but and, unless you are a very deviant person, I think that would bother you no matter what. And so I think it's a balance, you know, Treadstone or any of that type of agency. You know, you you don't want your best agents having, you know, a mental breakdown, essentially dealing with guilt and things like this. So yeah. what do you do to try to relieve that in some way? Yeah. Well, I think that's too not just wanting to mess up, not not wanting to mess up Damon's hair. I think that's why <laughs> they changed it instead yeah. of a bullet wound to being the stress causing it. They're, right. They're playing yeah. on that. The, yeah, the, exactly. The, the, that emotional. You know, mental pressure of doing this for a living, doing this for a profession, what that would do to you. Well, no, I don't know when this was filmed, but I know it was released in 2002. You know, and you and you had the uh, you know the 9/11 incident of 2001, and you had uh, you know America getting involved in various engagements, and you know you're you're starting to hear this PTSD mm-hmm. stuff. You know, this this is starting to become a, a thing in the news here during this time frame, and so. That's that's most of the movie was filmed before 9/11. Yeah, I, there was a, the, some of the uh, they did some pickup scenes after 9/11, but it was filmed vast bulk of the movie before. So it's yeah. it's interesting how that's, some of that. It's very interesting how that came yeah. about. Yeah, you know, but I think I think Damon, you know, Jason Bourne himself even kind of questions this. You know, when he says, you know, who has a safety deposit box full of money? And six passports and a gun. <laughs> you know, I mean, sitting in a cafe having this discussion with Marie, you know, he's even questioning, you know. Not just who am I, but what kind of person was I? Who does this? Yeah. And um, and I, I, I love that we, we meet the Marie character in this part of the movie. And I, I think that she steals a lot of this movie. Um, she really does. I can't pronounce her name very well, but she's great in this movie. And I and I love that the, the casting choice of her, because before these type of movies, you've got, I mean, they're famous, the Bond girls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... I mean, she's an attractive lady, but she doesn't look like a Bond girl. No. I mean, no, she's not your classic. Yeah, she's yeah. not the classic, yeah. you know. She's not the classic babe. Yeah. Um, but she does, she's just such an incredible actress in this movie, and I think it's especially her face acting. Like, yeah. you could see uh, all across her face. Like, she's she still scenes by how she reacts. She to really conveys empathy and emotion a lot. Yeah, and, she, and confusion and mm-hmm. fear and... I love her reaction when she's seen the wanted... Yeah, son. She, I mean, she lost her marbles. Mm-hmm. You know, they they f- flew all over the street. Yeah, she lost her. And, and when and when Castell jumps out the window, she's like, "Why would he do that? Why would he what? do that? What? what? And and yeah. you really believe that she's yeah. freaking out? She completely sailed. And how do you, in that situation, you know, we're we're watching a movie, so we're expecting, yeah, you know, over the top. You know, in that situation, your everyday life, you're just giving a guy a ride from here to there. I'm gonna go up here and clean up. It's hard to tell how long they've been in the car because I, I believe she referred to him falling asleep for a long time. You know, yeah. and he, and um, <clears throat> you know, how do you process that in real life? 
Oh, oh my God! He did. He come in the window and out the window. <laughs> but I, but I, thought, I thought that was a really telling little detail too that he fell asleep in the car. Yeah. If you think about it, he hadn't apparently he hadn't been able to sleep very well on the boat. Mm-hmm. He's at sea. He's not in any danger. And he can't sleep in the park. He can't sleep there. He can't sleep in the park because he just keeps saying, "I just need to rest. I just need some sleep." Yeah. So he yeah. gets chased out of the embassy. He finds the gun. He finds all this stuff. His his past is even murkier than before because now he's got six different passports, six different names. But when he's with her, he's okay, and he can rest. So I, I think Marie is the key to the whole thing. Yeah, she's his anchor to reality. Yeah, yeah she really is. Yeah, he can he can he can rest in her presence the way he can, and this, despite the fact that things are getting worse around him, not better, but because he's with her, something about her. And I, I really think that probably in the casting in this movie that they had to get the two of them in a room together for the casting because their chemistry is amazing. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, they you really know, well. Damon and Potenta have great chemistry. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a believable uh, situation with them. Yeah. You know, it's a believable relationship from the beginning, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And um, another special relationship is um, that car and Matt Damon. Um, Definitely. I love it. I, I, fantastic. I, I love when he when he dumps the money at the train station, he comes back outside, and he she hasn't noticed it because she's she's still traumatized from the fight in the apartment, so she's went inside to get alcohol, and he sees the cops, he sees the motorcycle cops rolling up, and I love how nonchalant he is about everything. Everything is just so like underplayed. Just take care of this car. And she's like, I, I guess why? And then we have the, the tires fell. <laughs> was it? What was the? Line? Yeah, the tires are a little splashy on the way yeah, over here. Yeah, there you go. And then, like, I, I love the Mini Cooper car chase. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just fantastic. Oh, it is. And, you know, and, and when I – I guess what I'm talking about, fast pace, those are the parts. Oh, yeah. You know, with with the first assassin, Castell, and, and, and that fight in general, you know, what what's so great about that and then leading to the car chase, you know, is just that the economy of movement. I mean, it shows you how good they are. Yeah. You know, a, as assassins, but then also his ability to drive like this. <laughs> you know, it's like Fast and Furious than a Mini Cooper, you know. Yeah, and I mean, he's winning fights with ballpoint pins. I mean, yeah, exactly. And it's not a big, it's not a flashy fighting style. He's not doing big roundhouse kicks. He's just really efficient. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, I just, another thing he was like the understated thing, like, He's going to drive them down all of these steps. The Mini Cooper's going to bounce on like a basketball. And he's like, yeah. hey, there's a bump coming up. Bump coming up. Yeah. <laughs> that was a great line. Yeah, that was a wonderful line. I'm going to have to use that at some point. All right, we're going to take a break here before we go to part three. Sammy, you got part three for us? Yes, sir. Here we go. So, Warren breaks in and holds Conklin and logistics technician Nicolette Nikki Parsons, Julia Stiles, at gunpoint. When Conklin begins pressing him to remember his past, Bourne recalls his attempt to assassinate Wombosi through successive flashbacks. As Kane and working under orders from Treadstone, Bourne infiltrated Wombosi's yacht but could not bring himself to kill Wombosi while Wombosi's children are present, and instead fled, being shot during his escape. 
Bourne announces he is resigning from Treadstone and is not to be followed. As agents descend on the safe house, Bourne fights his way free. When Conklin leaves the safe house, he encounters Mannheim, who kills him under Abbott's orders. Abbott then shuts down Treadstone. Abbott reports to an oversight committee that Treadstone is all but decommissioned, before discussion turns to a new project codename Blackbriar. In the final scene, Bourne finds Marie renting out scooters to tourists in Mykonos, and the two reunite. I did want to jump back into part two for just a second. So the, in the in the scene out in the field, you remember when when uh, he realizes the dog isn't isn't around, he goes and grabs Eamon's shotgun and runs out. Mm-hmm. He fires the shotgun several times, but I noticed he doesn't have a Doc Holiday special. He reloads that thing after every two shots. <laughs> he does. He, he does. doesn't have the Doc I Holiday am magic so shotgun. Glad they kept that accurate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, that was good. And I was so sad about the dog. <laughs> yeah. Now, now seeing this part here where uh, where Bordy encounters Conklin, and, and, and I thought the flashbacks were done really well. Yeah. I, I thought that, was, and his, you know, distress and, and anguish at experiencing those was really portrayed really well. And then he tells me, you know, I'm done. You leave me be. You let me go. I have not seen any of the sequels, and I know one of those is entitled The Born Ultimatum. So I'm guessing, with all the successive sequels and stuff, that they didn't leave him alone. Um, no. Um, <laughs> now, the this, like I mentioned before, this this movie was really a, a troubled production. They yeah. didn't invite Doug Lyman back. No, the, wow. So the other movies have a different director, a guy mm. named Greengrass. They're still really good. Um, okay. I would recommend following through on these. Um, but, and so he, I, I like the scene on the bridge because he, he, so he contacts Conklin and has him to come meet him. Mm-hmm. And so, and I love that Bourne knows that they're not, he's not going to just, because he says the deal is you show it by yourself or we don't, right. or we don't meet him. You don't, yeah, he does not show up alone. So I love that he, he, he knows, he knows that's going to, there's going to be people and he spots them all on the bridge. They weren't being super subtle. And he puts the tracer on the van, and he follows them back. And so mm-hmm. they, they think they're there to chase him down. Well, he's really chasing them down. I just love how, how that's set up. Yeah, that was a neat little turn, how, yeah. uh, how he just was like, he shuts them down right there yeah. you know, on the bridge. And then he goes back and says, now I'm in control. I'm in your house now. Yeah. You're going to listen to me, though. Yeah, he turned the tables. You know, and, and then, you know, from there we get that entire you know, kind of line of, of him battling through the, the, the people at the safe house, Yeah. you know, which leads up to, to one of my, the parts, I guess I chuckled the most at. <laughs> okay. And I've brought this up numerous times to the guys. All right. So the scene at the stairwell <laughs> where he shoots and kills the one guy, he's trying to figure out how to get out of the stairwell and decides pretty much to use the guy as a human bobsled (laughs) and just kind of go down and have him break the fall underneath him. So, I mean, that part almost made me chuckle. I'll be quite honest. I tried to count. I think he falls six floors, though. Yeah. It's it's a way. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm pretty sure that's the only James Bond scene that made it into this movie. I'm still – I'm pretty sure he doesn't just walk away from that one. Yeah, and he looked stunned, but I think he would be more than stunned after after that. And he did limp. I mean, they did. He did. It is a little bit of realism there. He's he's limping away from that one. You know, and I think though, with 
him having those flashbacks when it finally comes kind of comes back to him that you know here he was to assassinate Wombosi and then these children are here yeah. I think we see that even with um, you know the children at the cottage where he's you know before we even got into part three here where that you know Marie walks in and he's standing there just watching over the children and he says I want to make sure they're safe yeah. you know and I think that's something telling in, in Bourne's character and he takes the action away Exactly. Well, and there's and there's like um, some of those little subtle things. Like even earlier in that scene, like like Eamon has to talk to Marie, and he goes outside and he's pushing the kids on the swing. Right. I mean, that's a weird thing for an assassin to be doing. Yeah. You know, and it's and that was the thing that broke him on the boat on the yacht. Mm-hmm. I mean, because earlier in the movie, they're real careful how they do those flashbacks. Because when you first see the the first flashback, it's just him and Wombosi. Yeah. Right. The second just the flashback, top of his head. Yeah, the yeah. second flashback, we see that he's holding his kids. And, there's, and his wife's sitting with him. And he, and he can't go through it. He can't kill him in front of his family. And so there's that, There's I, I guess what they're saying, there's always been that tension in Bourne. That he, he was never as cold-blooded as Treadstone wanted him to be. Hmm. And that was the last straw. And it was kids that did it. And so there's this, there's this the, the, all that subtle stuff. Him, his discomfort with guns. His, you know fondness for kids or he's like wanting to protect kids his instincts i mean it's just it's interesting yeah well that's interesting because you know chris cooper uh, conklin at one point he gets on to me saying you know this was your call you scoped out the boat yeah. you chose this you did that you so i wonder how much uh, liberty beforehand they had given him on you know working through his assignments that way yeah, yeah. that's really interesting yeah and i love the the, the last scene when because Abbott has been like this careful guy, and it, I kind of got more of a politician vibe from him. Like yeah, he's yeah. maybe the senator in charge of this. Like he wasn't really like a, a spy type guy. Well, he completely, you know, he's hedging his bets. Well, and it's not just that he's because it sounds like because earlier like Conk was like, well, you never wanted to know, you never wanted to know before. Well, you never messed up before. Yeah, right, exactly. And so I love it. So they send Mannheim, the third guy they activated. We don't see what he's doing, so it's, so they're they're kind of clever how they're they're kind of tricking us. It looks like Mannheim's going after Bourne, but he's not. The way they cut the movie, it's confusing. He's going to kill Conklin. So mm-hmm. Abbott actually sent two guys after Bourne and one guy after Conklin. Yeah, yeah. And then that last scene when he's in the uh, the last one of the Abbott scenes, he's going before the Senate subcommittee or whatever that is. He's like, yes, we shut down Treadstone. Let's talk about Blackbriar. I'm like, dude, you are so, <laughs> so shady. You're just changing the title and keeping this thing going. You are every bit as bad as Conklin was. You know, yeah. and, and that's the thing, though. You know, they had us kind of on the hook by the third assassin. Yeah. You know, we've seen Bourne go up against, you know, Assassin 1, Assassin 2, yeah. and we just take for granted, oh, here's the, the final... He's working you know, his way through the bosses. Yeah, and yeah. so here it is, you know, he, it up. He's, up, he's, <laughs> he's, you know, made it almost to the boss battle, so to speak, like you said, yeah. and it... Then it turns out in yeah. in the editing, it even makes you feel like, okay, here we go, here we go, here's what it's going to be, and we get the turn. Exactly, yeah. and I just yeah. thought that was really cool. I like that. Yeah. That was really sweet. This is this is a really well directed movie. It really was, and the uh, like the same was about, like you were speaking about earlier. The editing is the pacing. You know, you get the full throttle action, and then you get these quiet character building moments yeah. where you get to see these guys. But I don't think that we really ever like the tension never lets up. No. So no. even well, even when the pace slows down, you don't really get to relax. It's a tense movie. Yeah, you feel through. the pressure bearing down on you through the whole movie. Yeah. You never. I mean, we're like born. We never can relax. 
We don't. We don't. We don't get to get in the car with Marie and get to take a nap. Like we're tense all the way through, you know, because there's, there's always those three guys coming. There's always Treadstone coming after him. It's the pressure of not knowing who he is, what he's been, and eventually he starts to remember stuff. He's like, I don't. I, I don't want any of it. I don't want to remember it at all. And so it's just this unrelenting tension throughout the movie. Okay. Agreed. Puzzle me this. Puzzle me one more okay. question. And here we have a very happy ending. He goes to see Marie in the scooter shop. You know, they, they're reunited. And then we have a sequel. Now, are they, like I said, I've not seen any of the sequels. I haven't even seen these ones, so I didn't, I didn't bother with the sequels. I know there's quite a few. So are they coming after him to recruit him for more work? Or are they coming after him to take him out for what he knows? What's the situation with the sequels? Or does it vary from sequel to sequel? It varies from sequel to sequel. Um, the the next one is, I think, probably the best one of the bunch. Um, I, I think I like the second even more than this one. Really? Hmm. Yeah. Yes. And um, and this the the next one would be the ultimatum, correct? I think the next one is supremacy. The supremacy. Okay. Yeah, I think it's actually the best of the bunch. Okay. And um, Bourne goes a little John Wick. <laughs> and uh, I don't want to give anything. I want you to watch it. I don't want to give it away. Okay. It's 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 so good. It's worth watching. I, I was just wondering the, the the situation there with the that would cause them to rob his happy ending. Yeah, they know, he he can't would, get free of. If if it's them coming back to you say, hey, we need you for this thing, and you're the only guy who can do it. Yeah. Or are they coming saying, oh, we just realized you know this, and we need to shut you up permanently. Yeah. You know. Um. The the second one is really him not being able to get free of Tradestone okay. and all the stuff he did there, and the third one is him. The third one is basically a two hour chase scene. <laughs> I mean, it, it, and you want to talk about just unrelenting pace. It's not just tension in that one. That is just, it never, never lets up. up well. And he, and, and there he's, he's turned the tables and he's going after them. Like he, he's going after Washington, trying okay. to shut down all this. So it, I mean, it's a, it's a, I haven't seen past them. I, I didn't want to watch a board movie without Jason Bourne in it. That didn't make sense to me. Yeah. So I've seen the first three and they're, it's a, it's a great trilogy. I don't want to give away too many details. Then. Okay, well, uh, this this is something that may have to work its way onto my viewing list here. Yeah. May may someone look into a little I bit. I think deeper. I think the next one's even better. So Jamie, awesome. as much as you're smiling and gushing over there, um, let's let's hang some uh, some trophies on the mantle over here for this movie. Yeah, so, so let's our, look at the, our awards here. Yeah, the first one we had on our list was best action scene. And uh, Sammy, what do you got? You know, for me, best action scene, Mini Cooper for the win. Yeah. I love yeah. the car chase scene. I think that's the right answer. It is the right answer. I've yeah. got the same yeah. thing. It's just a fun <laughs> scene. Yeah. You know, I mean, fr- from the get-go, you know, do you take care of this car? You know? <laughs> like, I need to make sure this there's car's a working. Coming up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's so many little things throughout that yeah, he scene. He ends up that on a sidewalk. Fantastic. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's wild. Now, I would give a runner-up. To the uh, that first fight scene in the apartment I, when, I, when he I when he drops that. to the window like he's in the Die Hard movie or something. <laughs> that's a great fight scene. Yeah, I really enjoyed that one, but I liked his uh, journey through the embassy. I thought that was a really uh, that was good one too. Well thought out because you know he's tr- you know he's trying to stay a step ahead and he's not really sure that he knows how to do it. Yeah. But you know, you see him grab the fire escape. Yeah, I was off gonna the say, wall, grabs that off the and wall, and you see him making his way through, and he's and he, you know, takes some people out, and like you said, instead of grabbing the gun, he grabs the radio so he can hear what's going on. Yeah. And I thought that was really mm-hmm. um, a building 
the character building scene. Uh, they had some good action too. Yeah. So uh, next up, we have the best surprise. You need to go first. Good for it. Good for it. Okay, best surprise. I really struggled with this one. Um, and I, I think I'm probably going to have to go with uh, the the scene at the farm. The way everything went down with, with Clive Owen. And I think it's that conversation they have at the end. Where Clive Owen starts giving all these tantalizing details. I mean, that was a really surprising conversation. I didn't expect... I mean, I mean, I've seen the movie before. But that, that's a surprising thing. Like, you don't expect that to happen. And it's like, yeah. it opens up this Pandora's box of... Okay, what's really going on with Treadstone? So I think that's probably a, nothing. Else, I've seen this movie a lot. It's not. A, yeah. I don't really get surprised anymore. <laughs> well, now, well, now I hate to to jump on the same thing that you're jumping on, but that was a really uh, for me that was a, a really turning point yeah. with the movie. I really liked that uh, that reveal there, and you know, and I'm a huge Clive Owen fan, and uh, you know his his acting is great. His delivery of that was great, uh, and you really seen his loss and just anguish there so i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna say say same here sam where okay are you, at? you know i am the perfect audience for these types of movies because i i get sucked straight in i do <laughs> hook line and sinker i'm in so for me best surprise had to be conklin's assassination mm. because that yeah. was just such a quick twist and we talked about how it was edited and how we were just thinking that you know okay it's born versus assassin three but no it was it was conklin's death and so to me that was the biggest surprise even going back and seeing this you know after not seeing the movie for a while going back and going oh i'd forgotten that you know so to me that was the one so you, that's probably the right answer. It just, yeah. I just, I know it's coming now. Yeah. And so it doesn't right. does feel like a surprise to me anymore. <laughs> like, that, yeah. That's probably the right and, answer. And I think that that's a great one too. But I think that the, uh, like I said, I'm such a Clive Owen fan. I think that's where I kind of hung my hat there too. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go ahead and start with this uh, next one, the best character. Now I've gushed earlier about the, the characters in this movie. Brian Cox, Chris Cooper, you know, great, great actors. But I'll tell you, someone who really stole this movie for me is 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 Frankie, Franka, uh, uh, Mary, uh, the yeah. the lady up directly, uh, you know, opposite Matt Damon. She really uh, carried a lot of the emotion of, oh my God, what do we do now? When Matt Damon, you know, seems to have a lot of things under control, and you mentioned him being so cool and calculating. She was really. A great foil for him and a great emotional anchor. Yeah, she made every scene she was in feel real. Yeah. Yes. I've got the same answer. Marie I was agree. My yep, I yeah. agree. I would give a runner-up to Brian Cox as Abbott because <laughs> I mean he was just perfect in that role, and I I love Brian Cox anyway. That dude chews scenery like a T-Rex. <laughs> you better right? believe it. <laughs> he really does. So he would get my runner-up, but. Uh, but I think Patente is definitely yeah yeah best character hands down. I don't I don't think the movie works without her. No, no, because I mean so many scenes do kind of have her as a fulcrum, you know, and even the point where she has to make a decision: do I stay or do I go? She decides to stay. You know, if she stays, there will be trouble. But if she right, because there will be double exactly. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, I softballed that one. You too, did. I, I couldn't help but pick that one up. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, speaking about best characters, there is one above all. There is one character 
that is the be-all and end-all of this show. Jamie, where is our Keanu connection with the born identity? I was hoping that Matt Damon would wake up from his amnesia and realize he was Keanu Reeves. <laughs> I've got a good one. I've set the bar high, I feel like, the last couple of episodes. Yeah, you've really, you've really hit some one. home runs. All right. Brian Cox. Okay. Has had a pretty remarkable career. He is in a lot. He's in my IMD, IMDb Hall of Fame. <laughs> you go look at that that list of, of actor credits. He's it's, been in a lot, and he's been in a lot of great. And, and a wide variety. I mean, he's been in Super Troopers 1 and 2, yes. Troy, Rushmore, Braveheart, and Manhunter as the original Hannibal, original Hannibal Lecter. Mm-hmm. He was the original. And oddly, he was in six movies with red in the title. Well, that was kind of random. Well, six movies there, okay. Uh, he's also been in several of these like spy action type movies. We mentioned Long Kiss Goodnight earlier. Mm-hmm. He was also in Red and Red 2. Um, he was in a similar kind of role in X-Men 2, X-Men mm-hmm. United. He yeah. was Stryker. Uh, but most importantly for our purposes, he was in the Green Energy Classic from 1996, Chain Reaction. Oh. Starring oh. our beloved Keanu. There and that go. is our Keanu connection. So a direct connection. Whoa. Yes. Beautiful. Very nice. Very Beautiful. nice. I'm so glad they had to share some screen time. There. <laughs> it is a remarkable IMDb page. That yeah. is worth going and looking at. That, it, it would have to be. It's amazing. It would have to I be. I think these got like 200 and like 30 some. Just just acting credit. Oh, I don't doubt it. Wow. And it's the it's the most bizarre range of roles. That's fantastic. It was amazing. He's been in every kind of movie. Yeah. Well, I mean, you put like, you know, you we were speaking uh, earlier about Danny Trejo in everything. Yeah. Uh, Sam Jackson is in everything. Yeah, so now we come to the part of our show where uh-huh. we like to tell you guys about something, hopefully enlighten you to something you may have missed or not been aware of. Um, maybe something from the past to reawaken some interest there. Uh, something that we've maybe forgot was on the shelf. So... Sam, I think I'm going to give you the honors today to start. All right. If, if Jamie's okay with that, if, uh, if Jamie can get a thumbs up over there. So uh, are you ready? I am ready. Dear sir. And here we go. All right. So I jumped in the Wayback Machine, and I've been reading a lot of books on DC streaming. I chose Batman Year One. Uh, Batman Volume 1 issues 404 to 407. This is the classic Batman story by Frank Miller and David Mazzucchelli. Uh, This is not just an origin of Batman, but it is Gordon's first days in Gotham. He's a a lieutenant. He's learning the ropes. Uh, And there's so many story elements that Miller and Mazzucchelli bring in that you can see in the Burton films, that you can see in the Nolan films. You know, Mazzucchelli's art is just so gritty and perfect for this really early Gotham. So that is my keeping at 100. And you've done that in well under 100 seconds with... uh 50 seconds remaining. I practiced that one. <laughs> <laughs> they are a good team, though. I've, I've read their uh, Daredevil Born Again series. Mm-hmm. And Mazzucchelli, I, I didn't like his art originally. Like, the first issue, I was like, it took me a while to get into it. But, right. But once you get used to like, it was also a different era. It was, yeah. And, I, I mean, uh, it was, you know, we're talking, what, 80, 
you know, kind of yeah. 85, 86, somewhere between 84 to 86. And I'm more of a more modern comic reader, so it took me a while right. to adjust. But by the time you get into it, like he just there's a lot of emotion in his art. Yeah, it's really good. And, and I love he doesn't overpower the characters. Yeah. They're not these big bulky yeah. characters. They, they they're believable. Well, that's good. Jamie, has there been a a, a limit we have capped? For Sammy bringing DC to the table. <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, as long as it's not Star Trek, I mean, I, I, we can keep him off of that. We're hey, good. After all the shade I got that last time for Star Trek, I'm I'm trying to we we, we can we can only take one at a time here, so let's let's keep it. <laughs> okay, who wants to go next? Jamie, do you have something? I'll do. I've, I've got to go ahead. Me. Okay, go ahead and uh, ready, set. All right, Honor of Avengers, I've been going back and rewatching some of the older MCU movies. And I rewatched Captain America the First Avenger this week. Oh. And I would have before my rewatch, I had it's been a few years. I would have said this is one of the better ones, one of the top half of the of the MCU. Um so after rewatching it again though, I I had forgotten how good this movie really yes. was. And um I'm betting most of you all have all of our listeners have probably seen this movie. I would recommend giving it another rewatch. It's better than you remember. Um, the acting is absolutely top-notch. Mm-hmm. I mean, Haley Atwell is amazing. Chris Evans is a better actor than you think. Um, Hugo Weaving just, I mean, is amazing in this movie. I mean, just I mean, even the guy playing Zola is great. Oh, yeah, he's And um, the action scenes are, are better than I remembered. Um, there's so much emotional weight. There's so much character stuff going on here it's worth giving it another watch and um it's worth going back to i'm done you're we're done good. okay yep. you had 40 seconds left i was giving you the, the single jet 46 left and you were done right. so uh, yeah um <clears throat> before in game come out you know, I know a lot of people had done an mcu rewatch all the way through I just don't have that kind of time <laughs> <laughs> I, I had kind of went through the uh, same probably you and just kind of has been picking some you know greatest hits. Oh, I really like this one. Haven't seen it in a while. I really like that one. Haven't seen it in a while. Um, but yeah, the uh, the Captain America is I think one of the most highly underrated of the of the Marvel movies. You know the MCU there. Um, well, I, I think that the first Avenger got overshadowed by Iron Man. Yeah. Uh, on that end of it, and then Winter Soldier was so good after it. I think it yeah. got kind of lost. He got kind of lost in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> I can. But I can. first Avenger is that is that period piece. Yeah. And, you know, I love the golden age of comics anyway. And to see Cap in that era. In the Helen Command. Yeah, I mean, j- just with that, I was just yeah. so into it. Oh, that reminds me. I wanted to mention something. Um, I noticed something for the first time when I rewatched it this time. A Doctor Who character is Bucky's date on the double date early Oh, it day. is, yes. Yeah, it's yeah. Clara. Yep. yep, Jenna Coleman Yeah, I, did, is, I, didn't, I yeah. never noticed that before this time. Yep, Jenna Coleman was uh, Bucky's date, who goes on to play Clara Oswald. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yep, I've seen that. Okay, well, I don't have a DC, and I don't have a Marvel, so, Jamie, if you want to go ahead and get the timer started for me. And three, two, one, go. <clears throat> okay, now, this is something... Uh, you're probably going to get a little bit of insight on how we record because we talked about this earlier. I was kind of casting about on what was going to be my Keeping It 100. I'm going to tell you guys to again to go watch Jumanji. Welcome to the Jungle. I had, when I seen the previews for this thing, when I seen who was in it, I was so, no, 
I'm not interested at all. Didn't go to the theater to watch it. Didn't even choose to rent it. We were out, out one evening. I was like, oh, let's go home and do some pizza, popcorn, and, and a movie. Kids, what do you guys want to watch? So they picked this movie. And I'll tell you, I really enjoyed it. Probably more so than they did. Um, the humor is is great. There are a few kind of kind of sketchy jokes if you have younger kids. There, are, um, but the movie really does have have kind of a heart, and it connects to the original Robin Williams movie. So I will definitely recommend this movie. Um, you know, The Rock, Kevin Hart, Jack Black, and Karen Gillian. Karen Gillian. You can't go wrong. Check it out. Give it a shot. Alright, 30 seconds left. Good and job. another Doctor Who companion in <laughs> that in Karen Gillan. Eventually I will get these guys to watch a little bit of Doctor Who, maybe. No. I'm feeling vastly intimidated by I've, that. I've tried that. I want to get Jamie to watch Classic Who. That's, yeah, that's the, that's the bridge I haven't crossed. I've watched a tiny bit of Old Who, and it is... Oh. It's rough. <laughs> uh, it's it's clearly made on a shoestring budget, and it's just it's hard to look at with no with no connection to it. You know, from having seen it as a as a younger person, right? Um, but I love yeah. New Who, and um, we can't get Dwayne on board though. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. I outnumber you now, pal. I've got another Who <laughs> on here. <laughs> <laughs> what what is it the uh, the Daleks say? Exterminate. 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 Okay. <laughs> Well, I was thinking maybe uh, I got them crossed up with the Borg resistance is futile. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> and see, this is the, the, the greatest thing for us because we have myself who loves both classic and new who. Jamie, who has only watched the majority of new who, and Dwayne, who has not watched any. I love so. all these references to who. I just keep wanting to say a person's a person no matter how small. That's right. <laughs> I think we're getting loopy. I think we need to end this thing. Let's wrap this up. Yeah, so, uh, Jamie, what is on tap for our next quest? What well, are we this is our year of Star Wars, and we're yes. back on to Star Wars the next episode. Yes. We're hitting in – I already gave – I tipped my hand already on uh, on the Facebook page when, uh, how I, when I ranked the Star Wars movies. Uh, we're doing Rogue One next. In my humble opinion, my hot take, it's the best Star Wars movie ever made. I will say it's probably uh, a new classic. Yeah. So we're doing Rogue One next. I'm really excited about yes, it. Yes, definitely. So dust off your copy of Rogue One from a couple of years ago uh, if you haven't in a while and check that out. I mean, uh, and what more excuse do you need to enjoy some K2 and Cassian? That's right. And Jamie, how can people find us before we leave? Uh, check the Facebook page. It's just uh, our group page for Nerds of the Roundtable. And our email is uh, roundtablenerds at gmail.com. And you can find us on Instagram at... Nerds of the Roundtable podcast. We should pop up there. We'll see you shortly.